do not have to be worldly. We don't have to know everything. We do not have to become a walking encyclopedia、uh, to show up to for each other to engage in that conversations. We show up to be worldly. We show up to educate ourselves. We show up to know a little more. Hi, friends! Welcome to your best year abroad podcast. I'm your host, Dia Yun. I'm an 11-year expat from Beijing, living in the U.S., working on my PhD on Latin America. I am your best year abroad, who empowers you to flourish beyond F1 or H1B, and instead, human better to belong authentically. I want to normalize the neglected isolation, transition, and identity evolution as a shared human experience. So that border is only where our expansion begins and bonds never end. Whether you are an international student who just began your adventure, a seasoned expatriate seeking alignment while in transit, or someone who's ready to evoke fulfillment from within, by pressing play, you are listening to your best year abroad, and we walk each other home. Greetings from Bogota, Colombia. How are you guys doing? I hope you're all、uh, wrapping up July on a high note and starting to embody that Leo season May character energy. I'm so excited to return to another fire season. As a fire sign myself, I'm an Aries.、Um, I just always just love that inspiration and momentum during fire seasons.、Uh, so funny story.、Uh, I am actually、uh, is you know it's, it's not so usual for me to. Record this episode so last minute. So right now it is Wednesday evening. Um, more exactly, it is ten thirty p.m. So usually my pods go out at five 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 a.m. Thursdays. Yes, I'm a big believer in angel numbers. Uh, and I love fives. Um, and、uh, yeah, somehow I just almost forgot to record it. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with the flow and just share what I've learned in this past five days. Uh, I am in Bogota. It I really has been a very um fun experience. Beyond returning to a city that I really feel home, other than you know my hometown Beijing, um, it's been a very needed. Energetic shift,、uh, to really expand my zone of courage and also my zone of genius. Very usual for customs officers there to ask you for a few dollars,、uh, in exchange for a smooth pass at at the customs. But you do not have to worry about this in Colombia.、Um, it's very formal and just very clean cut process. So、um, it's it's just so funny that every single time, really every single time that I land in Bogota, I usually have this immigration officer, and、uh, this person just yeah, they usually just are curious about my background. So、uh, especially after seeing my Chinese passport, they just want to confirm. So they ask me, you know, they don't know English, like where are you from? So I said, so in China, I'm Chinese, and、uh, this immigration officer said, Konnichiwa. This is the the second or third time. This happened to me in Colombia. So Konnichiwa is, you know, like it's it's hello in in Japanese,、uh, and to greet each other in in Mandarin is ni hao or ni hao ma.、Uh, um, so I just thought it was just a funny moment.、Uh, I really didn't take any offense from this interaction. I really because I I was there. I I knew his intent. I knew the context. He was genuinely trying to make me feel welcomed, and、uh, it was an innocent mistake. Uh, and I really just trust that he just didn't know 
what was the correct way, or maybe he just thought that konnichiwa was hello in Chinese. So um, on my way out, I, I kind of just made a TikTok video really quickly just to share this little humorous moment. And uh, it ended up being like a minor viral video. Like for, for me, it's a very tiny account. I started it with my, my TikTok maybe two or three weeks ago. And it got, I think now, almost like 14,000 views on that. And just lots of discussions happened. And uh, so in discussions, there are a few schools or groups of comments that I got. Uh, one is very, very kind Colombian, sincerely apologizing for this incident. They were apologizing for the ignorance. They were apologizing that, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. It is on us. I'm so sorry that, you know, in Colombia, we don't really talk as much about East Asian countries. So I think from this school, what it made me think of really is the difference between not knowing versus ignorance. For me, I think... Now, knowing really is not a fault. And, you know, like this world has more than 200 countries and so many languages and dialects. It really is impossible for us to match the country to their native and official languages and also just to be so familiar and comfortable with saying them with strangers. So I think now knowing itself really is not a sin or a fault. True ignorance really is to have that sense of pride and audacity in one's not knowing and think that it is okay. So I think one like hypothetical uh, uh, case it can be, let's say you know someone tell me that you know like or or let's just say you know I if I say yes I am Chinese, it's one thing to say konnichiwa if this person just genuinely thought konnichiwa was hello in Chinese. So this is just a case of not knowing. It is innocent and a harmless mistake. Let's say if I say to someone, hello, I'm Chinese, and this person said, oh, then can you guys like ever cut your hair? Do you guys eat rice? And do you guys only eat rice? Uh, do you guys eat dogs every day? Uh, um, or oh, do you guys have freedom in China? Uh, or, uh, or even just very silly assumptions like, oh, then you must be so happy that you are finally free now that, that you have escaped your country. Uh, so those are, I, I, I categorize those actions as ignorance. Because first of all, before seeing me as a human, this person only saw me as a stereotype and as a breed and as a country that this person does not even know. And two, um, ignorance really is this confidence and audacity to throw in what this person knew prior to interacting with this, with this individual. So before even, so the question was not even, it was never about the exchange of information. It's only about wanting me to say and confirm what this person have already thought or thought he knew prior of our conversation. And uh, this, like my interaction with this immigration officer is not the case. Um, and just along that line, I also just think about people from developing countries, and especially people of color, uh, we tend to be a lot more sensitive of even the most minor mistakes we make. So in this case, you know, all of these very kind Colombians, you know, who have, you know, who, like, they, they do not know me, they do not know the immigration officer, but they were all trying to apologize for this person. I think part of it really is the pride, you know, like, they really love their country, and they want to really make sure that you know, Colombia as, as a whole has made a great impression 
on me. And yes, it has. Um, but another part really is I think people from developing countries are quite used to criticisms from developed countries and also just Europeans and North Americans. Um, it's, it's funny that you know when a light-skinned and white person do something good or bad, we analyze it as an individual case. But when a person of color, especially a person of color from developing countries, the, the, the most minor difference uh, or sometimes a very harmless mistake somehow is the uh, is a, a blanket statement and this person becomes the spokesperson for the entire race and the entire continent. Um, if one Asian person felt shy or just didn't want to talk to you, somehow all Asians are timid. If one Latina uh, made a very honest argument with you, then all Latinas are just rude and they're just crazy. And the same goes to Africans and just other races. So I want to make the point here that, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters and friends, um, people of color um, and those from developing countries, we really should stop apologizing for being different and just being human. There is a double standards applying to developed versus developing countries um, and also individuals with lighter and darker shades of skins. A monolithic white person, oh sorry, a monolingual white person, we somehow assume that is the norm. So every time when we hear a white individual being able to speak a second language, we praise that person. We applaud that effort. Somehow this person is the new Marco Polo. This person is so worldly. But when it applies to individuals from developing countries who do not have English as their first language and who are people of color, we are often judged by our accent. Chinese accent is not attractive. Spanish accent, especially Spanish accent from Latin America, there's a very uh, important uh, distinction there, Spanish from Spain versus Spanish from, from Latin America. And Spanish accent from Latin America somehow is just being dumb. But that Spanish accent from Spain, oh, it's so romantic, so sexy. So I think that double standards kind of really conditions us to feel a lot more sensitive towards criticisms because we have received them so much and so often, almost on, on a daily basis. And it comes with the criticism there comes to our habits of apologizing for things that are really not our fault. I remember my taxi driver um, who picked me up from the airport to the hotel. He, on the road, he was just keep apologizing about the traffic in Bogota. But I mean, like every single city, every single major city, especially a city that's so populated and vibrant as Bogota, of course, there's going to be cars because... People keep going on their lives every single day. Um, but you know that like you never hear a New Yorker <laughs> apologizing for traffic because that's just the way it is. So my point is being human, not knowing things, um, and making some very innocent and minor mistakes, that's just being human. And again, you know, friends from developing countries and my fellow people of color, just really let's start from ourselves and... Just stop apologizing for us being human. A second group of comments that I received 
was about um, the disconnection and the lack of communication and education about Asia and especially East Asian culture in Latin America and Colombia. And I only want to just add one point that, you know, the reverse is very, very true. So personal story. So I was born in Beijing. I went to public schools uh, in Beijing for 17 years. And I really cannot really recall like an important lesson that we learned about Latin American history. And I was largely, largely and embarrassingly ignorant about Latin America as a continent and Latin American culture um, prior to, I want to say, even just, you know, halfway through my college. That's when I, you know, through world history and different humanities courses, that's my first exposure to Latin America. So when I first came to Colombia, that was back in late 2016, um, when I first told my family that I was going to come to Colombia and was going to do a little kind of kind of like two month long um, um, backpacking trip, my cousins and my, my family, they were very, very concerned because for them, you know, I think, you know, the ignorance really is that, you know, like people don't even know like where Colombia is located at. Um, they, they were not sure that whether it's in Africa or Latin America and their conception with Colombia is very much that very old school and very, very wrong misconception and stereotypes with that in the 1970s or the, the 90s. So the, the lack of intercultural dialogues and that equal coverage of global history in our education systems and also in our personal education for ourselves, that's largely lacking. And that is not a Colombian problem. That is a universal and a global problem. I remember that was just this one acquaintance. Uh, she took a trip to China and she came back. She was, so she's white, she's Canadian, and she was very disappointed that uh, she got many stares and many people requested to take photos with her because she was the very first foreigner and uh, they, they've ever met or could interact with. And many people thought that she was very attractive and beautiful. Um, but she just didn't really enjoy that. And she was saying that, you know, that's really because Chinese just don't know how to travel and Chinese just do not travel. So there's a lot of things to unload there and to unpack. Uh, first of all, yes, her experience is very valid. Um, it is true that foreigners still get lots of stares, and there's that fascination of the foreign country, of the foreign culture. Um, and yes, um, definitely people do request photos taken with uh, foreigners. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it, don't do it. That's fine. But this whole thing about blaming people for their curiosity and blaming it on travel there's just a lot of classism and privilege into it. So travel, first of all, requires capital. It requires a lot of money. It also requires a strong passport and the money to pay for the visa. So many people, they are not able to travel. It's because of lots of financial limitations. For me and for many others who do have the privilege to travel, it's really important to just rather see our experience as gifts instead of prejudice that we use against others who do not have the same upbringing and resources that we have, that we were born into and born with. Um, and this whole blaming curiosity and linking curiosity as ignorance, um, I, I personally don't think it's fair. I don't think we should ever punish others for not knowing things and for wanting to learn 
for wanting to engage in um, like a new conversation they never had to interact with a person out of their comfort zone. And I don't have the statistics with me, but I really do not think Chinese Chinese or Asians are are less traveled than North Americans and Europeans. I really do not think so, uh, because America, you know, like it, America hides its poverty very well. Uh, there are plenty of people who really have the awareness and will to to go around the world and just see everything, um, but they just don't have the means. Um, so I think it's another stereotypes developing countries constantly have to battle with, uh, in terms of oh these are just people who are just less traveled and less worldly than the European and North American those white explorers those are so worldly and they are just the coolest. But most importantly, I want to make the point that we really do not have to be worldly. We don't have to know everything. We do not have to become a walking encyclopedia uh, to show up. To for each other, to each other, to engage in that conversations. We show up to be worldly. We show up to educate ourselves. We show up to know a little more. Um, that's really important. I don't think curiosity and not knowing should ever be punished. If you don't feel aligned, if you don't feel called to to engage in certain interactions, don't do it.、Um, but I think it's really important to apply that compassion、uh, and reward. People's willingness, especially strangers,、um, their willingness and openness to accept you、um, and to give to hold that space for you to engage that dialogue with. And along the same line with locals asking photos taken with strangers, I actually have lots of personal experiences here in Latin America. This is a very kind of common thing in pretty much all Latin American countries that I've visited.、Um, but the first time in London, in Cartagena, in Bogota,、uh, in Colombia. I'm mean, like I'm not exaggerating. There was like a minor line lining up at the airport for children and adults wanting to take pictures with me at touristy spots or even just at local normal restaurants. I often get approached by just different guests.、Uh, sometimes they even just invite me over to join their table. And some really, really just so generous and just kind Colombians even offer to pay for my meals. Um, so all of this,、um, so you know, so I so, so I do experience that kind of stare, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't even call that a stare. I would say that more like a gaze, <laughs> a, a very fascination gaze.、Uh, who are just people are just curious to to see because in my experience, I think this year coming back, I definitely see a lot more East Asians in Bogota. Um, but prior to that, like I rarely would bump into like someone who looks like me. So I understand that fascination because you know when I was a child, I used to cry every time when I saw a white person. I when I was a kid, I really didn't want to go to Tiananmen Square at all because there were so many foreigners. And remember, that was my first time going there. There were two these two tall white men trying to really want to take photos with me. I was like definitely very very young. I was definitely like before school age, and I was with my dad. My dad thought that was harmless, but when I was a child, I was very shy. And that was my first time seeing a white person with big nose, blonde hair, and blue eyes for the first time. And I just thought, oh wow, these people look really, really scary. And those were just two really tall men. Like I, I can still kind of remember their face till this day. So yeah, so I do understand that there is a little yeah, there there is both the fascination from the foreigner end, and also can be that discomfort from the person who's being stared or being approached.
Um, but in my experience is that I think most people from developing countries, um, they really do ask, especially or at least just if we just go by the, the current case in Colombia, um, they do ask for permission. Uh, and it's always a very friendly conversation. They just they just really just want to know who I am. I think even yesterday, I went to the Botanical Garden here in Bogota, and there was this, this, this heavy rain. And so I was just waiting for the rain to pass with this really large elementary school um, trip. There's this really large group. Uh, so I think the children, I think they, they seemed very young, maybe like second grade-ish. Um, and of course, like they were just very curious and they started asking me how old I was. And some of them, I don't know why they insisted that I must be Japanese after I told them several times that I'm not Japanese. Um, so yeah, so they were just little kids, just, they were just being curious and they wanted to take some pictures and just lots of questions about the world. It was a very beautiful interaction. And, uh, and I do get like a random ni hao ni hao ma like on the road or, 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 or when I'm just walking on the streets. And when I have the energy, I always say hi back. And when I'm just not really in the mood or just don't feel great about it, I, I, I just walk past by and I've never experienced any harassment or anything that's, that I would say would be disrespectful. Um, it is a different case, you know, like as a native Beijing myself, I do recognize that um, mainland China has a lot to do uh, and has a lot to improve in terms of respecting visitors. Um, because yes, I have definitely observed many cases where locals would just take out their camera taking photos and videos of people and take and touching black people's hair uh, without permission um, yes that is a problem um, but I wouldn't really say that is all Chinese and certainly that is not everybody in the developing world at all right um, so when I how I see this really is I think you know like why not just really just flip the coin and see it as a, as a privilege and just as a, as a very kind gift that the universe is sending us on this trip that, you know, there are people who really see us as the ambassador from the other side of the world and who just really wants to engage with us and get to know us because they really are creating space for us. You know, they are taking the time just to try to get to know you. Their children feel very fascinated by you and they want to have lunch with you. And since you're already there, then why not have the energy, just let it flow? I think that, you know, energy is, is at its happiest when it is flowing. Um, I think we really are here to exchange our energies. We really are here to learn through the relationships. So when that comes, I think, understand that it really is fascination. It is not discrimination. It is not, like, I, I really don't think any of them did this to offend me or see me as a little monkey in the circus because it's a very different context. So take advantage of these opportunities and engage with the locals and you never know where this conversation is going to go. Um, and the reason why I just want to just kind of add is more like a sidebar note. The reason why I know like these asking me questions, looking at me and asking me for pictures, I know these are not fetishization. I know they are not like racism or just ignorance. Is because I have experienced real racism that just has no room for argument. Um, so personally, you know, I have, I've uh, lived in Miami for the past five, six years, and cat calling and um, Asian fetish, it is at its peak. Um, I've never experienced so much cat calling, um, sexual 
uh, discrimination and just sexism uh, towards me in my 11 years in the U.S., except for in Miami. Uh, somehow people feel very entitled to just throw in anyhow on the street and they get very offended if I do not reply. And I often get, especially if I walk on you know, Collins Avenue or Ocean Drive, those very big and touristy avenues, I get even just straight up very, very sexual comments. It's just so degrading and disgusting. So in those cases, that is, I mean, that's just straight up. There's no explanation for those kind of things. That's real fetish. That's real, real ignorance. No one really asked me, hey, how's your day? What is your name? Do you have a time? Do you have some time for us to chat? I feel very fascinated by your culture. Or, oh, I actually have been to China before. I want to just talk to you because you seem familiar. Things like that. And those will make a person feel a lot more seen and feel a lot more inclined to engage in a conversation with you. Uh, just treat each other with respect. It is really not that difficult. And I think when we do travel, um, don't just write off every different thing as, oh, this country is not nice. Uh, don't just get bothered by every minor inconvenience and things we're not used to um, in our experience. Because isn't that the whole point of traveling? To see things and how people live their life differently. Travel is not vacation. Travel is learning. It is active learning. We are really living, like going to, we're expanding our classroom beyond that wall, beyond the ivory tower. And all of these people that we interact with who have, very little in common with us, but somehow we share the common humanity. These are the people, these are our teachers. Um, and even to think back on these past five days, you know, I'm in Colombia so far. Um, I've had so many really wonderful encounters and, you know, and from, you know, the people from just, from people wanting to ask for like a photo with me at the airport to a little like, almost a mini press conference at the Botanical Garden with those very, very adorable and just lovely children. Um, these are gifts, and I'm very, very grateful because this doesn't happen everywhere. And I think it is also our responsibilities as travelers, as tourists, to think of how can we contribute to the beautiful country that's hosting us and acting as our temporary home. Alrighty, there goes another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm back to the 5 a.m. club. I'm doing the Project 50 challenge. Today's my day four. So you can just try, um, Google on, or, well, Google or TikTok it. Uh, it's pretty much implementing seven small rules for 50 days straight. Um, and I just think that traveling and also just staying in Colombia is a very great opportunity for me to implement and adopt a new habit just to shake things off and just try to be more creative and be more connected with my body so yes so i am gonna go to bed soon and thank you guys so much for listening i really really love the home that you provide me in between your ears every single week this is a project really fostered a sense of belonging helping my past selves and helping just every individual every human in transit across borders feeling that all those assumed isolations, challenges, and evolving identity, those pains, um, they are really not individual problems. Those are part of our common humanity and a shared human experience. I just hope that, you know, to that one soul who's listening, you are really not alone, and I am figuring this out with you. Um, thank you so much for giving this pause a listen. I would really appreciate it 
if you can leave me a five star review if you love it so this this show can reach a broader audience and if you have any suggestions on the content or just even questions you have about me find me on social media tiktok and instagram at your best day abroad i would love to uh, chat with you and know your story and, and see how i can be of service to you a final reminder remember that border is only where love and expansion begins and evolves never that i'm here growing and exploring with you thank you so much friends make it a great one and i will see you next week